some of you crying. It's all right. I've seen it several times. I was sitting back there last night watching it just bawling because I want to be that guy. Uh, Janie and I have been married 23 years. We've got 52 more to go uh, if she'll have me. And, and I want to be that guy. How many of you would like to be the guy like that? Let me see your hands, guys. All right. So in this marriage series, we're not, we're not just kind of messing around here. We are talking about the way you get there. And, and we're making these commitments. And we said that if you'll make these commitments and you'll choose somebody who'll make these commitments back, then, then you'll have a marriage that doesn't just exist or survive. It thrives. And it becomes the thing that stories are made about, documentaries are made about. And, and your children can talk about them to their children and their children can talk about them because that's what we want. Because we got way too many of the other stories, right? We don't want those. So we've got to make these commitments. And so the first week we said, we're going to seek God together. We said, we're going to pray. It doesn't matter if we've prayed before. We're going to start today and we're going to pray until it feels natural. And we're going to seek God together with our spouse every day. Or if you're single, we said, we're going to seek God as our number one. You don't need to be seeking the one because there's no such thing as the one other than God. You try to put a person in that position, that's why you fail in marriages because a person will let you down every time. You need God as your number one and a spouse as your number two. That's what all week one was about. If you weren't here, grab the CD. Um, week two, we talked about fighting fair and and many of you have admitted to me that you don't fight fair. And, and what do we want to do? We want to win. And we said, we're not going to seek victory in our fights. We're going to seek resolution. We're going to try to draw nearer to the person that we're fighting with so that when we get on the other side of, of a fight, we don't have destruction. What we actually have is coming closer together. Because believe it or not, conflict is actually the door through which you have to walk in order to get to feelings and needs and the deepest intimacy that you desperately want. The reason you're not there is because either conflict has come up and you haven't resolved it or conflict has come up and you've walked away from it. And so if you'll learn to fight fair and seek God while you're fighting and resolve those conflicts, on the other side, you can actually become stronger. And that's what we want. So today we're going to talk about staying, uh, having fun, next week stay pure, and the week after that, never give up. And we believe, I fully believe that if you make these commitments, that you'll have a marriage like Fred's. Now, let me give you some, some things for today. <clears throat> Here are some, uh, agree or disagree with this first statement. On the screen. Not enough married people have fun in their marriages. How many people agree? How many people disagree? Now, I didn't say you have fun in your marriage. I said the average people, all right? I saw that, I saw that hand, Katie. That's all right. You have fun, and I know you. I know Miss Katie has fun. So how many of you, let's try it again. How many of you agree that not the average marriage doesn't have enough fun? Let me see your hand. All right, I talked you into it, didn't I? It was almost unanimous. That rarely happens in a church. <laughs> What happens is we have fun in the dating relationship, but we don't have fun once we say, I do. And we have such bad examples of marriages that we get quotes like this. This is a typical quote. Now, don't, before I put them up there, don't be throwing trash at me, all right? This is someone else. This is not what I think, but this is typical of what people in America think about marriage. Quote number one, a man doesn't know what happiness is until he gets married, and by then it's way too late to do anything about it. If you guys want to laugh, but they're afraid to, because she's right there. All right, now, ladies, if you're offended, here's one for you. If a man says his wife can't take a joke, he needs to remember she married him. 
All right, good. I thought I was going to get some sympathy laughter there, you know, but that was pretty good. That was kind of, you know, there was, that was almost some gut laughter, almost some guffawing. We have different levels, Janie and I do, about laughing. You get to guffaw, that's good. That's, that's hearty, healthy laughing. So if you can't have fun today, you're in trouble. You're probably in the wrong place. You shouldn't be here. And once again, let me just say that there's going to be some PG-13 stuff because the Bible, let me tell you something. I got in trouble for this in fifth grade, and I've never forgotten it, but I've also studied the, the, the book since then. We used to read the Bible in my elementary school, and one day I was at church, and I always fell asleep at church, because church was boring, and I would wake up when the dude say, let's stand for closing prayer, and, and it was like, you know, Pavlov's dog, you know, when you ring the bell, and, well, I wake up when he says, let's stand, let's go home, ah, you know, wipe the sleep out of my eyes. Well, one night I happened to hear him read, he started off in the Song of Solomon, so my buddy was sitting across from me, it's his turn to read the Bible, and he goes, Doug, I don't know anything to read, what should I read? And I said, read the Song of Solomon. And as God is my witness, I was, I was being, I was totally naive. Dude got up there and started reading about breasts and stuff, and I got tickled, and I got sent to the office, I got my butt beat, <laughs> all for reading the Word of God. In a fifth grade class, because this, if you were Hebrew and you understood the Song of Solomon, it's raunchy. And sex is good in marriage. Our Heavenly Father created it. He gave us this whole book. If you've, never, if you've never studied the Song of Solomon, you need to study it with your wife. You will laugh and you will be drawn to her. Now, if you're, if you're single, don't even go read the book. Just tear that out your Bible. Give it to me. I'll give it back to you. The day of your wedding. We'll glue it back in together because, man, you don't, you don't, I'm telling you, you read that and you study, you understand. Gonna have some fun. Now, too many people have fun while they're dating, but then they forget to have fun. Life happens. They stop enjoying each other. But I want you to know that God takes delight when we enjoy all the blessings of marriage. And let me show you how I know that. It's, it's in the Bible very explicitly. First in Ecclesiastes 9.9. This is Solomon, same dude we're going to read in a minute, but here's what he says when he's trying to figure out life. Here's what he says. Live happily with the woman you love through all the meaningless days of life that God has given you under the sun. Now, he didn't say that the wife was meaningless. He said, there's some meaningless days. How many of you know that some days are just monotonous? Just like, I got to do this again. I got to get up. I got to go there. I got to earn some money because I got to pay some bills. And I got to do this. Right, it gets monotonous. Doesn't say that the wife is monotonous. It says that life is monotonous. And then look what he says. The wife God gives you is your reward for your earthly toil. And, and now, don't take this the wrong way. What God is saying is, she's as good as it's going to get, dude. And some of you are going, oh, crud, don't say that out loud. No, because I've got enough counseling on my plate. You know, I don't need that. And by the way, we have trained some marriage mentors. And, and at the end of this series, we're going to have you fill out a little form. And if you, if you are about to prepare, if you're getting ready for marriage, we have some folks that will help you go through preparing for marriage. If you are in the, the repair stage where your marriage is in trouble, some of you, several of you said last week on your card that your marriage is in trouble. We have some folks that will help you figure out what's going on. And then if your marriage is just okay, and a lot of you said your marriage is okay, and, and I'm not going to tell you who. Y'all can ask each other later, and you can fight fair over that. Um, but a lot of you said your marriage is okay, but it could be better. All right. So we're going to have folks ready to walk you through some of that stuff. And it's, and we're hoping to make marriages better because without fun, without adventure, without intimacy, without romance, marriage is reduced to a business relationship where all we talk about is the facts. I have to do this. You cover that. We'll see you later. Right. And that's not what God intended for us to have. 
What's interesting is that I've never heard somebody say, you know, our relationship just sucks and I can't wait to marry him and experience it every day. I've never heard a woman go, you know, you know, this dude is so boring. I just watch him when he plays video games and he veges out and he just bores me to tears and that turns me on. Hadn't heard that one. What I have heard is, man, I met this guy. My heart beats a little faster. And I can't wait to be with him. Or guys don't say it quite like that, but we get it. We know. We know when you like a girl, just come on and tell us. Because we're all talking about you. All the dudes were like, man, he's smitten. Yeah, he is. He won't admit it. Dumb butt. Everybody knows. Everybody knows. When you're smitten and, and you know that you want to spend all kinds of time with them and you just can't wait to be with them and that's what it's like. And, and guys, the, the sad truth is we were pursuing her when we dated. We got married and we stopped. Ask her. In most situations, you quit doing what you were doing. If you want to have what you had, you got to do what you did, right? We got to make some habits, got to make some changes. And... Uh, I got to ask you this. Those of you who hunt, deer season's coming up, right? I got so much work to do at my deer lease, but deer season's coming up. Those of you who like to hunt, is it ever enough to shoot one deer? Do you shoot one deer and then you just quit? Oh, I've had enough hunting for my life. No, what you usually do is you pay way too much money to get that deer stuffed so that you can show it to everybody and then hang it in your shed. Mine's not even hanging in my shed. Mine's laying over in my shed and it's got about six inches of dust on it. But way back then, it was my first deer. I had to have it mounted. Since then, I just eat the thing. I don't mount it, but I still enjoy shooting deer. Okay, here's the deal. I'm not talking about shooting your wife, but I'm talking about pursuing. Guys are hunters. We, we enjoy the pursuit, but we... We quit pursuing our wives and we're the reason a lot of times that our marriages are stale and boring and that there's nothing to really look forward to. We need to continue to pursue our wives. Just like you pursue something else, your work, your career, your your hobbies, pursue your wife. And dude, I'm telling you, it'll pay off. We'll talk about that in a minute. Okay, write this down. Fun is not a luxury in marriage. It is an absolute necessity. Some of you are going, but we don't have enough time for fun. I'm going to tell you, you don't have time not to have fun. You don't have fun in your marriage. It's only a matter of time before you don't have a marriage. Right? So we're going to talk about three types of fun that every couple must have. The first is face-to-face fun. Everybody say face-to-face fun. Say it again, face-to-face fun. That's when we get together, enjoy each other's company face to face, because a lot of times in dating, people talk and they talk and they talk for hours and they get on the phone, they talk and they text and all this stuff. Man, I wish we had unlimited talk and text when Janie and I were were dating and engaged because it was long distance. We had to get off the phone because we couldn't afford that trash. Janie, actually, she would get a little, kind of like a calling card thing. And and when it ran out, I mean, we would talk faster and then all of a sudden, boom, it's gone. Like, shoot. You know, and you'd have to, and I'm like, well, I'll, I'll pay for it. And I'll call her back. I love you. I love you. Can't wait to see you. Yeah, we did that. And we talked and, oh my goodness. You remember, you remember you'd just talk and then when you'd run out of stuff to say, you'd just kind of sit there and listen to each other breathe. Not like heavy breathing or stuff, but, but normal, normal breathing. And it was just really, really this precious thing. Well, we get married and we quit talking. And we become these business partners. Well, I have to take the kids over here and you've got to get the oil changed. And oh shoot, we're out of milk again. Would you go get the milk? And it becomes this business relationship and nobody's excited about that. 
I'm just going to tell you guys, she needs face-to-face. One of the biggest things I learned early on in our marriage was my wife not only needs face-to-face conversation, but she's a quality time person. If I'm sitting at the movies watching a movie, that ain't quality time. If I go for a walk or I take her for a cup of coffee, that's quality time because we're getting face-to-face time. I want to show you three different interactions that Solomon has with the Shulamite woman, one of, his, one of his wives, and one of his wives. That was the big mistake. He can't be that wise. I'm sorry. We always say the wisest man who ever lived. Fool marries 300 women, has 700 concubines. Fool. You don't even want to do two. I'm just telling you. You can't do it. But anyway, we're, we're just going to look at the positives of his relationship today. And, and, and I want you to see the progression of this. This Because first we're going to see the face-to-face type fun. And, and this guy, he starts. Now they're married. Let me say that. This is, this is all about marriage. This is not dating. Um, according to God's word, and I'm going to say this several times, according to God's word, sex before marriage, God is not into that. Because of the intimacy, because it rips your heart apart, because of what it does to you and future generations, God says, sex in marriage. Now, this is how to do it right. This guy is good. Listen to what he does. He starts at her feet and he works his way up. And by the time he gets to the top, she is his. All right, here it is. This is in uh, Song of Solomon 7. And by the way, if you have your... Uh, uh, phones, you can go on version, or you can just follow it up here, whatever you want to do. <clears throat> All right. So they're getting together and they're about to have some fun. How beautiful are your sandaled feet, O queenly maiden. Your rounded thighs are like jewels. And that's when we started giggling when I was in fifth grade. The work of a skilled craftsman. Your navel, I love this. Your navel is perfectly formed like a goblet filled with mixed wine. Your breasts are like two fawns, twin fawns of a gazelle. Evidently, he's glad that there's two of them and that they're twins and they're there. Okay, he's happy. Your neck is as beautiful as an ivory tower. Your eyes are like sparkling pools in Heshbon by the gate of Bathraben. Your nose is as fine as the tower of Lebanon overlooking Damascus. Your head is, is as majestic as Mount Carmel and the sheen, your hair radiates, the sheen of your hair radiates royalty. The king, he is the king. He says the king is held captive by its tresses. I need to use that word. Oh, how beautiful you are. How pleasing, my love. How full of delights. You are slender like a palm tree. Your breasts are like its clusters of fruit. And he says, I said, I will climb the palm tree and take hold of its fruit. Amen. (laughs) He keeps going. May your breasts be like grape clusters and the fragrance of your breath like apples. May your kisses be as exciting as the best of wine flowing gently over lips and teeth. And she says, I am my lover's and he claims me as his own. (laughs) Yeah. Now, he is talking to her very intimately and very face and face to face. But here's I want you to notice what he's doing here. This is big. He's giving her details. Men, I want you to say that details. Men say details. If you want to move closer to your wife, you have to give her the details. Men like headlines, right? Guys, I know you've done it. I've seen you do it. I've done it myself. I've caught myself. Sometimes my wife has caught me. But, but she starts talking, and she's giving you 8 million details. You know, if it was pixels on a screen, man, there's so many. You, uh, and and you'd kinda, you kind of tone her out, and you're thinking, dude, where's this going? Just have a resolution, right? Nobody else has done that. That's just me, right? I'm the only one. Some of you have told me and I've seen it. Whatever her tone of voice is, it's the tone you can't hear because you choose not to. And it ticks her off. 
right? I'm just going to tell you. It's going to make her mad. Women want details. And it's important to them because when they are talking with you face to face, when they get the, it's why when you say, when she says, how was your day? And you go, good. What'd you do? Work. That's not enough for her. And it's why when you want to have sex later, she's like, night. Right? She's right back at you, man. Exactly what you did to her. She's reflecting it back. And, and by the way, if, if you come to small group and you share something at small group, by the way, it's not ever shared outside there, but if you're in small group and you say something and your wife goes, I didn't know that. That's a bad thing. You're not having enough face-to-face conversation. And, and if she says something, you go, what? And it happens. It happens. And now, now y'all are going to be watching. You're going to call each other on it. Oh, sucker. You're in so much trouble, and I'm glad it's you and not me, you know. Nothing but love in small groups. I just want you to know that. Um, we've got to be consistent about face-to-face time because your relationship is like a fire in the fireplace. I talk about this stuff in premarital counseling. If you don't tend the fire, fire goes out. One of the ways you keep the fire going for your wife is face-to-face, intimate conversation. And it doesn't count when you're driving your kids to their 8,000th soccer game that season. It doesn't count when you're sitting in the stands talking about stuff. That doesn't count. What counts is when you say, let's just spend some time together. Turn the TV off. Let's go for a walk. Let's go have some coffee. Those are the type of things. She needs it. It's not just that she wants it, guys. She needs face-to-face. Number two, side-to-side fun. Everybody say side-to-side fun. Say it again, side to side fun. This is where you're hanging out together. Willard Harley in his book, His Needs, Her Needs, this is one of my favorite chapters, uh, and it's kind of a joke between me and Janie because it's recreational companionship. And so I'll ask Janie, we'll go do something, and, and it's way out of her comfort zone, and she'll go, is this recreational companionship? I say, yes, it is, baby, and that's one of my needs. And she'll go, okay. I mean, she's swam with me out into an ocean and big old waves. She's jumped off of stuff in the ocean. She's ridden on jet skis with me, ridden on motorcycles. All that stuff is way out of her comfort zone. But she does it because it's, it's for me. And I'm telling you, it makes me feel valued. When I first was going to get a motorcycle, she said, you can have a motorcycle, but I'll never ride with you. And I said, I don't want one. Because I want you, I, I said, baby, there is nothing sexier than you riding on the bike with me. That just, mm, that's a turn on. That and shooting guns, and she's got her CHL, and dude, she's a better shot than me. That is a turn on. Okay, uh, <laughs> look what she says. This is, this is chapter 7, verse 11. This is what the Shulamite says to Solomon. Come, my love, let us go out to the fields and spend the night among the wildflowers. She wants to go camping. How cool is that? But it's not just that. Some of you ladies go, no, I'm not going camping. That's okay. Because it's, let's go on a getaway weekend. Let's, let's have somebody watch the children. Let's go do something just the two of us. Let's have some fun together. As women crave face-to-face, men typically, typically crave side-to-side. We want you there. If we're fishing, it's cool to have you there. Now, now I'm not saying you have to do everything together. But if you're not doing anything together, your relationship's in trouble, and you may just not be admitting it yet. You may be in denial. It makes a man feel valued when his wife does something with him and for him. When Janie and I got engaged, we lived in different cities. We, we did not live in the same city until we got married. And so we were three hours apart, and it was, it was kind of a difficult deal. Once we got engaged, every weekend she could, she would show up. One weekend I had a lock-in. It's kind of, 
When we did a lock-in, we would go and play putt-putt golf, and we'd go ride go-karts, and we'd go do stuff, and then we'd come back to the church and, and do stuff the rest of the night. So it was kind of a lock-out, lock-in type deal. But um, she just, she, she so wanted to be with me that she showed up at the putt-putt place. She drove three hours, got there like at 1130 at night, just so she could hang out with me. She was always coming. Whatever I did, if I went and played softball, she was there. Whatever I was doing, she wanted to be with me, and that attracted me to her, and I said, this is the right girl. She likes doing stuff with me, and it made me feel good. Once we got married, uh, we were in Arlington, and uh, our church there every year would have this, this family week. We call it family week, where we would challenge our people to turn off the TV, not to have any extracurricular activities, just to have family time. It was real easy because Janie and I were, were single at the time, and so we'd have a date night every night. Well, she was teaching school. She calls me one day, and she said, um, she goes, hey, I got an idea for our date night tonight. And so what's that? And she said, let's go shoot baskets at, at, the, at the church parking lot. Because we had kind of like here, we got some goals out there. And I said, Really? Because like, if you know Janie, one of her life statements is, I will never chase a ball. When I met her, we're at youth camp. I'm, I'm umpiring a softball game. She's in right field because that's where you stick, never mind. Um, she's in right field and I'm right behind second base and really she's not in right field. She is right over by me. And I didn't know it. She was, she was you know, flirting with me, but she comes up and she's got her glove no, it's this glove. She's got a glove like right here. And she's, you know, the game's going on up here. And I'm trying to watch the game. And she's just talking to me. And she's cute. I mean, I, I, you know, I noticed. But I'm like, there's a game going on. And I finally, I said, I said, Janie, don't you think you should pay attention? She goes, why? I'm not chasing that ball. And from that time on, she has not chased the ball. So when she called me and said, hey, let's go shoot baskets. I said, she's doing that for me. So we went and we shot baskets for about an hour. Laughed, had a good time. Oops. I don't know what that was. We laughed, had a good time, and then we went home and and had another kind of fun, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Not there yet. I'm just waiting to see if y'all react. Maybe he wants you to play golf with him. You go, I hate golf. Well, you're not doing it for you. You're doing it for him. Maybe he wants, you know, maybe she wants you to go shopping. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Maybe you like playing board games or going mountain climbing. Whatever it is, do something side to side because it is important. And guys, you need to enter her world too. And uh, Janie doesn't want me to go shopping with her. And I'm grateful to God for that because like needles, whatever, you know, I'd rather have needles in the eyes than, than go shopping. We went... We just moved Caleb down to College Station and the whole family went and it was this fun thing. And one of the things Janie wanted to do is she wanted to fill his pantry and his, his fridge and all that. So after we get him moved in and make the bed and all that stuff, we go to Walmart. And I'm just dying because he needed some stuff for his computer. So man, I'm all about that. I go back and I get the stuff. I'm done in like two and a half seconds. And then we're walking up and down the aisle. What about this? You want that? I don't know. That sounds good. I said, I gotta go. I was freaking out. I went and laid in the car and tried to take a nap. And I was so happy that I didn't have to shop because I can't stand shopping. But I want you to know that I enter into Janie's world because sometimes, every now and then, this, the Spirit of God just comes over me and I enter into her world and I watch a whole show about wedding dresses because I love my wife maybe once I've watched a show about wedding dresses I do watch a lot of design shows and I gotta admit she would watch HGTV all the time and sometimes I like it I hate it I hate to admit that. 
Everybody needs face-to-face, side-to-side. All right? So that's first two. Third, you ready for this one? (laughs) Belly button to belly button fun. (laughs) Write that down and somebody say, amen. Let's go back to the Song of Solomon. She says to him, verse 11 and 12, we're going to read 11 and 12. Come, my love, let us go out in the fields and spend the night among the wildflowers. So let's go camping, but check this out. Let us get up early and go to the vineyards to see if the grapevines have budded, if the blossoms have opened, and if the pomegranates have blossomed. There I will give you my love. She is saying, let's go have sex in the park. As God is my witness, that's what it means. Let's go have sex in the park. Now, don't go do it. Don't you say, my preacher said, because we got cops that are in this congregation. And, and, and we don't need that. We, we've got enough notoriety about our church, the type of people that come here already. Y'all don't go have sex in the park unless it's a really private park. Um, and I don't want to hear about it. We need to have some romantic fun because your heavenly father delights in that. Let me show you how I know. Proverbs 5, 8, 18 and 19. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing to you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She is a great, a loving deer, a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you always. May you always be what? Captivated by her love. This is the word of God. May God add blessing to the reading of his word. Let her breast always satisfy you and may you be captivated by her love. Captivated means held hostage by. May you always be held hostage by the love of your wife. She wants your heart. Some of you have taken it back. She really wants your heart. And guys, if you'll spend some face-to-face time with her, if you'll spend some side-by-side time with her, you're going to have her body. Because your body flows where your emotions go. That's just the reality of life. And if you want to affair-proof your marriage, you make your marriage white hot. And then you don't have to worry about people straying somewhere else. Now, let me give you some advice real quickly. I believe one of the best things you can do for your marriage is have some physical and intimate fun. So let me give you some advice. First the men, then the women. Guys, work on your approach. I mean, dudes, you can make anything sexual. And, and so don't hop out the shower and go strutting around with your big old belly sticking out there. Hey, baby, you want some of this? And she's going, no. No. That is not sexy. So guys... Because we can make anything, you know. She says, hey, will you, will you get me some cereal? I'll get you some cereal, you know. And <laughs> Hey, uh, we need to change the oil in the, in the car. I'll change your oil. You know, guys can do that. <laughs> we make anything sexual. Women are like crockpots. Men are like microwaves. When it comes to sex, microwave, 30 seconds, ding, ready to go. <laughs> Women are like a crockpot. They got to stew on that stuff a while. So, guys, we need to work on our approaches. Be tender. And, and I'm just, okay, I'm going to throw this in just because I can. And, and I didn't know this. It, you know, I never did this just instinctively, praise God. But, but I've talked to lots of people, even pastor friends, that, that don't do any setup work, and then they want to have sex with their wives at night. So, like, they have fights, they're stressed, and then they get in bed, lights are off, ready to go to sleep, and all of a sudden a hand goes, vroom. I'm just going to tell you, I've never met a woman who thought that was... Sexy. She's ready to go to sleep. A hand comes over, gropes her. So I know, I know women that wrap themselves like a burrito when they go to bed at night. So that he cannot get through the defenses. Right? Because you got to do some prep work, guys. If you have a fight and you're, you're a punk in the morning, 
Don't think she's going to hop in bed with you that night. You've got to do something because everything with a woman is connected. Guys, no, man, we can have a fight. Let's have sex, right? That's a guy. It's just the way we are. So guys, you've got to work on your approach. Now, some of you are thinking, well, <laughs> well, okay, let me, let me talk to the ladies real fast. Ladies, make an approach. It's perfectly acceptable for you to go, hey, baby, you want some of this? Because guys, we don't care. Any approach is better than nothing. Every once in a while, let it be your idea. And ladies, whatever you got, it all looks better in silk than in flannel. (laughs) Throw some of that stuff away. (laughs) I know it's warm, but it does nothing for him. Every once in a while, get some silk. And just a little will do. You don't have to have much silk. <laughs> now, some of you are thinking, we don't have time for that. Well, because we got kids. I remember having kids. You got DVR and you got DVD. And, and this shows my age, but, you know, Dora the Explorer, 30 minutes. You pop that sucker in, you lock the door, you say, we got 30 minutes, go, Diego, go. You need to have some fun. The offering had better be good today, all right? I'm just telling you. Because you don't get this stuff very often. And we should have a lot of baby dedications in about nine and a half months, all right? Now, guys generally want more physical intimacy than women, right? And here's, here's a crisis. I'm going to tell you this, ladies. This is a crisis. When you cut your husband off sexually, it is just as much a crisis for him as it would be if he suddenly became silent and didn't talk to you emotionally. Would you, if your husband quits talking to you, that's an emotional crisis, right? If he turns his back and he's silent and he's just insolent and he's, he's all turned inside, is that a crisis for you, ladies? When you don't have sex with your husband, it is just as much a crisis for him. Because it is all about our, our manhood. We have this ego, and I tell you this all the time. Men, are, their ego is the smallest thing on the planet. And we are wrapped up in whether you love us or not. And if you're not having sex with us, we don't believe you love us. It's just, it's just that real. And the enemy knows that. And so he will cause you to be busy. He will cause you to, to at times, try to use sex as a weapon to get what you want. And manipulation is never going to get you the marriage that you want to have. You've got, you're his only option. Every other option is sinful. And so if you, if you want to help protect your husband, the most loving thing you can do is have regular sex with your husband. Now, some of you are saying, but he's a jerk and I don't like him and I don't like you for telling me I got to have sex with him, right? Well, let me just tell you, feelings follow actions. You do what you used to do and you'll get what you used to have because there was a time you loved him. There was a time you were attracted to him. There was a time you had fun with him. You quit doing all that stuff. Go back to what you used to do. The marriages I know that are thriving, they spend a lot of time intentionally working on the marriage. And, and, and some of you are saying, you don't know how big a jerk he is. You don't know what she did. You don't know, you don't know. You're right, I don't. But is scripture true or not? The Bible says all things are possible with God. With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. You get two people that seek God regularly together. 
who learn how to fight fair and, and not trying to win an argument, but trying to resolve conflict. And you get a couple who has regular face-to-face, side-by-side, belly-button-to-belly-button fun. They're not looking around at anything else. And some of you, I, I, some of you are like, well, this other person, they're nice to me. And, and, and I like how they treat me instead of how my husband... Here's the deal. Here's the last thing on your listening guide. If you're thinking that the grass is greener somewhere else, it's time to water your yard. We need, we need to go have some fun, married people. Single people, you need to take a lot of cold showers. Because here's, here's what happens. We get together and we think that sex is love. And, and sex is more like kindling when you're building a fire. What happens to the kindling? It goes out and hopefully you have the log catch on fire. But, but we've talked about this before in other series. Hollywood tells you that, that the kindling is everything. And it's why people in Hollywood are married 25 times. Because when the kindling burns out, they've got no mature love that lasts a lifetime. We want and God desires lifelong marriages. And, and, and I'm not, I know some of you are divorced. I know some of you are remarried. I know I, I'm not worried about your past. I'm talking about your future because your heavenly father is much more interested in your future than he is in your past. He's a God of grace. He's a God that will heal you. He is a God that will bring you someone that meets your needs, but you got to do it his way. Living together, sex before marriage, that's not God's way. And if you're wondering why your relationship isn't being blessed, it may be because you're living in sin. It's time just to fess up and get out of that. Would you bow your heads for a moment? Some of you have never tried to do, God's, to do life God's way. You've just been doing it on your own. Some of you claim to be Christ followers, but you're really doing it on your own. If that describes you, would you just uh, look at me for a second? And I just want to ask you, what's it going to take in your life for you to get serious about God? Because God is bigger than our imagination. And he said, this is the way to do life. And he said, anything you put in, in front of him is an idol. And we got to be real honest, folks. Some of us are, are idol, idol worshipers. We put people in front of God. We put jobs in front of God. We put hobbies. We put houses. We put cars. We put everything in front of God. And then we wonder, why, God, aren't you blessing me? And God says, I don't even know you. So some of you need to make a, a beeline back to your heavenly father today. I'm not saying it's going to be easy because swimming against the stream is the hardest thing you will ever do. But I'm going to tell you there's blessings and there's rewards for doing it that you'll never get going with the flow. Would you just pray this prayer? God, I'm tired of doing stuff my way. And I desperately want you involved in my life. Cleanse me from my my sin. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And show me what to do next. Not asking for months down the road. God, show me what to do next. In some of your marriages, you've said you're in trouble. I just want to know, are you going to do it God's way or are you going to do it your way? Father, we pray that, that you would make strong marriages, not for our sake, God, but ultimately for your glory.
Because when we claim to follow you and our marriages are falling apart just as much as other marriages outside the church, that doesn't bring you glory, Lord. That, that's, that sullies your name. And we want to be a people who shines bright for you. So I pray for the singles here, God. I pray they'll make decisions now not to have sex before marriage. Not because sex is dirty, but because sex is wonderful in marriage. And I pray that the people who are struggling, that they'll just make a commitment, God, to do whatever you tell them to do next. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.